Well, it is a blessing and a joy to be here with you this morning. I want to just share with you on behalf of Heart of the Father Ministry, Jeff and I just want to thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing in Haiti, for sowing into the Haitian people. You're making a difference. God's touching your heart, and because you're responding to God touching your heart, you're blessing children in Haiti. And so we just want to thank you for your dedication, for your prayers, for your love, for your support. You being here in the States, your hands and feet are equally as important as our hands and feet in Haiti. And when we're there, you're there with us. And we just want to thank you for being a part of what God is doing in and through the ministry. We had a few little updates that I want to give you. We talked with you several weeks ago about Andrew Womack Ministries that we went to one of the GTSs in Chicago and that their media team is coming. They want to do a student profile on us. So we do have confirmation that they're coming. The dates are still being worked out. It looks like maybe October or beginning of November, but they are committed. It sounds like they're excited, and Jeff and I are believing that the Lord is going to put everything in place because this is a door that he opened. Talk about seed time and harvest. We are seeing the harvest in what Jeff and I have sown over the last 10 years, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful. And it's awesome to have doors open before us and we're able just to walk through the doors. Last week, we were at a conference and Joan Hunter was there. Joan Hunter ordained us back in 2010. So we've had a small connection with her over the years. Last week, she asked us to do a small video clip. And her cameraman, as he's filming, Jeff and I, told us that the video clip would be edited and used for showing when she does her TV shows. And she also wanted a picture of us. And she wanted us to explain what we're doing in Haiti. Joan used to go to Haiti um, and help after the earthquake had hit. And so it was awesome to see the seed planted seven years ago and how fruit is becoming part and that connection is being part of what God's doing. And so I just wanted to share that with you because you're all a part of what God is doing in Haiti as well. And so thank you for all that you do and give, especially of your time. I'm going to get to the message now. <laughs> but what I want each of you to do is think of a conversation that you had within the last two days. I'm not going to ask you to reveal anything about the conversation. I just want you to get a conversation in your mind that you had. What was the fruit of that conversation? In other words, after you left that conversation, were you filled with joy? Or sadness? Were you blessing or were you angry? Maybe jealous, envious, or hurt? Were you filled with peace, love, excitement, thanksgiving? If it was anger, sadness, maybe confusion or disappointment, more than likely the conversation was filled with words of that kind. If your conversation left you feeling full of joy and excitement and peace, that's what was spoken in that conversation. And you walked away going, yes, Lord, I am blessed. Thank you, Jesus. I am your child. I am loved. I am favored. And all those I ams come out because the greater I am has been sown into your heart. You know what the Father loves and what is powerful and precious to him? When we're in a conversation and there's discouragement or there's pain or there's sadness, worry, or sorrow, 
that we're able to pray with that person or when we leave the situation, we're able to say, Father, pour your love into their heart. Forgive them. Bring them peace. Give them understanding and wisdom. Because what we've done is we've taken our eyes off of the situation and the circumstance, and we've put our focus onto Jesus, who is life, who is truth, who is love. Because we want to reflect and glorify our Father, the greater one living in us. So the title of this message this morning is The Power of Our Words. I pray that the revelation that I've received on the power of my words and our words becomes a revelation for you, inspiring you to share it with your family, with your friends, even your neighbors or coworkers. When I caught the revelation of how powerful words can be, it changed things for me, and I began to take my thoughts captive, focusing my words on being life-giving words, realizing that I did not have to receive words that were spoken over me around me, to me, or about me, especially if those words were not life-giving words. This didn't happen overnight. It's continual. I continually have to think of how I'm going to say things and how I'm going to respond so that they're life-giving words. I'm going to show you through this message how Jesus used words and the effect that his words had. And so I ask you, what are your words doing to your environment? What are your words doing in the atmosphere in which you dwell? And how are your words affecting other people? We know that Jesus is the word and gives life. If we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and 14, Scripture tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And there wasn't anything made that was made, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. When we look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. Jesus is the word, and he gives us life, and not just any life, but a life of abundance, excess, more than enough. He is the living word. He was with the Father in the beginning of creation of the world, and he is still with us today. When we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it tells us about words. It says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word works. The word works because we believe what God has written to us to be truth, life-giving, and powerful, alive. Jesus is the living word. He is powerful and he is active in each and every one of us. And scripture confirms this. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hebrews 4, 12, the word is alive and powerful. Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The word I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Did you know that words are connected to our hearts? Listen to Proverbs 16, verse 1. The preparation of the heart belongs to man. Proverbs 14, 30. A sound heart is life to the body. A happy heart makes a cheerful face. That's Proverbs 15, 13. In Proverbs 15, 15, he who has a merry heart has a continual feast. I love that. And when we look at Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. God's word is for us. Jesus gives life in excess, richness, and abundance. The word is important. God encourages us to devote ourselves to what he is saying, to allow his word to be written upon our hearts, and there his word will remain. He goes on to tell us that his word is life and health to all our flesh and to guard and watch over what we're putting in our hearts, what we allow to be spoken into our hearts. Because our heart is like a fountain that will flow forth out of us and into the lives of other people. If we are putting his word in our hearts, that's what's going to be spoken out of our mouth. Speaking his word over ourselves and our lives produce divine health, wholeness, and a life of abundance. In Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let me ask, what is in your heart? What are you speaking? What words are you allowing to be spoken out of your mouth and into the lives of other people? Because as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, verse 7. That which is in our heart is what we speak forth, shaping us with the very words that we say and the words that we hear. What are we allowing to be planted into our hearts and minds? And what are we seeing and hearing? Because it all affects our heart. Words affect our health, our healing, our mind, and our emotions. The heart is involved. And that's where revelation takes place. It's moving all of the head knowledge that we have into the heart. Are you aware that the words we speak, the words that we give a voice to, are seeds? They're seeds that we're planting into our heart and into, the and into our life and into the lives of those who hear the very words we say. In Romans 10, 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So does sickness. So does depression. So does doubt. So does unbelief. The words springing forth from our heart, out of our mouths, are seeds. Jesus said in Luke 8, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. We plant seeds of health, life, and love, building people up and edifying them, or we plant seeds of destruction and death that tear people apart and break them down. You and I know that if I want an ear of corn, I have to plant a seed that will grow a stalk of corn that I can get an ear of corn from. If I want a mango, I have to plant a seed that will produce a mango tree and bear mango fruit. You and I both know that if I go to a mango tree, I am not going to get an ear of corn. 
And if I go to a stalk of corn, I am not going to be able to pick a mango. Our words work the same way. You will produce fruit from the seeds of the words that you're planting. They're going to be life-giving seeds or they're seeds of destruction. Listen to Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then Proverbs 15, 4 tells us that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Wholesome there in the Hebrew is marpe, and it means healing, cure, remedy, and it actually comes from the word rapha, which if you go to Exodus 15, 26, Jehovah Rapha is my God who heals me. If we're speaking words of anger or depression, bitterness, evil, envy, we cannot expect to produce fruit of joy and love and compassion. And in the same way, if our words are of encouragement and love and peace, that's the fruit that we're going to produce. I want to add that if bitterness and anger are part of a conversation, negative words spoken to you or about you, you don't have to receive them. You do not have to allow those seeds to be planted into your heart and become a part of who you are. Look at Luke 6, chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. This is what Jesus says about fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a briar bush. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words are very powerful. Remember, God spoke everything into existence. That's how powerful words are. In Genesis 1, we read, And God said... He spoke everything into existence. God spoke into darkness and he created light. He didn't simply act. He used words. God created by speaking, by saying, and by calling. The word of God is his mind and will and it doesn't change. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The Word of God stands forever. It's eternal, it's alive, and it's consistent. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Words shift our atmosphere. The seeds we speak of life or death, they do affect our lives and the lives of our spouse and our children, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of our tongue. So let's take a look at how Jesus used words. He declared the word of God and fought off Satan. If we look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Satan said to Jesus, Command these stones to be turned to bread. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verses 10 and 11 Satan tries to tempt Jesus two more times. And Jesus says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him you shall serve. And the devil left him. Did you hear that? Jesus said to Satan, Away with you, and Satan left. 
That parallels with James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Many years ago, before Jeff and I were married, I lived in an apartment by myself, and I was woken up in the middle of the night with sounds of footprints in my hallway. The footprints came at the foot of my bed and then alongside my bed. And then I felt a very dark, heavy presence over me. And there was one word that I prayed and one name I prayed, and that was Jesus. And instantly that darkness was gone, and I never heard the footsteps again. That is the power of the word. That is the power of Jesus, who is the word. When we look at the account of the nobleman whose son was healed, this is in John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. The nobleman heard that Jesus was coming to Galilee. So he went to Jesus so that Jesus could heal his son, who was near death. Now when the nobleman heard the words Jesus spoke to him, go your way, your son lives, he believed the very words that Jesus spoke to him, and he went home to find his son alive. That is the power of Jesus' words. Your son lives. That's the power of Jesus. That is the faith we have in Jesus. When we look at the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus spoke to his disciples, and he said to them, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he reminds them that he's always with them. Do you know, for three and a half years, Jesus spoke into their lives. He spoke into the disciples' lives. He built them up. He encouraged them. He edified them. He empowered them, and he did it with his words. Jesus planted life-giving words into the lives of his disciples, and he is still planting life-giving words into you and I because he is the word, and he is life, and he is truth. And this great commission is for you and I. Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I. Go and make disciples, teach and preach. Jesus also gave power and authority. When you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I make that verse personal. Jesus is saying to me, Cindy, behold, I give you, Cindy, power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. God wants you to make this personal as well. And I put it up on the screen. I want you to say it with me and put your name in there. Don't say your name. Just put your name in there. Okay? Behold, I give you, Cindy, power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Memorize that verse. Put it in your pocket. You know, put it wherever you're going to see it so that you're reminded that you have been given power and authority to speak over things that come in your way that shouldn't be there. God's word is for us. We have to plant it. We have to use it. And we're going to see fruit bearing according to what we're planting in our hearts. When we look at Matthew 21, Verses 18 and 19, we read about a fig tree. Now, there's something you need to know about a fig tree. It's a unique fruit tree. And a fig tree grows leaves and fruit at the same time. So when Jesus went to the fig tree, he expected to find fruit on it because it had leaves. Now, because there was no fruit, Jesus said to the fig tree, 
Let no fruit ever grow from you again. And the fig tree died. In Mark's account, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus spoke death over it. The fig tree died. And it says that it dried up from the roots. Keep in mind that roots are the life source aiding to the end result of the fruit that it will bear. And what does scripture say? It says, be rooted and grounded in Jesus. Why? Because he's your life source. That's the fruit you're going to bear. When Jesus spoke, things happened. Jesus spoke to the storm, peace, be still. And the storm was calm. Jesus spoke to the lame, pick up your mat and walk. And the lame was walking. Jesus spoke to the blind, go and wash in the pool. And the blind could see. Jesus said to the dead, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was alive. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And it is. There's one other example that I want to look at. And this is one of my favorites. It's found in Mark, it's chapter 11, starting in verse 22 through 24. And here Jesus says, have faith in God. And this is just after Peter brought to Jesus' attention that the tree he spoke to the day before had died. And Jesus' words to him are, have faith in God. Jesus goes on to say, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. Jesus encourages us. He tells us to speak to the mountain. Tell it to be moved from where it is and to be tossed far away from us. I love the imagery that Jesus gives us of the sea. Think about the sea. It's deep, isn't it? Did you know that the Sea of Galilee is known to be 141 feet in depth? So when Jesus is saying, cast it into the sea, it's the deep waters of the sea that swallow it up, never to surface again. Jesus is instructing us to use our words to move the mountain that's in our way. Put our faith in God to use the supernatural to change the natural. No obstacle is too big for our Father. We have to have faith in our Father to move the mountain that's in our lives. He didn't say get a shovel and move the mountain. And he didn't say think it away. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain, move. And don't move just a little bit away or partially away, but be thrown into the sea where it will not surface again. We have to have faith to move the mountain, the obstacle. We have to have faith in God to make the impossible possible. The mountain represents anything in our life that shouldn't be there. Take sickness, for example. If there is an illness that is trying to come upon your body, Jesus has instructed us to tell that mountain of sickness to be removed from our bodies and cast away from us, never to return. Jesus goes on to encourage us to believe and not doubt, but believe that we will receive from our Father what we're believing him for. There is no obstacle too big for God. Our faith is in him. And where does that believing take root? It's in our heart. It's the heart issue again. This is the power of our words. Just like Jesus saying to Satan, away with you, and Satan left, 
we say sickness away from me. Do not return. All sickness, let me say that again, all sickness and disease is from Satan. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> sickness steals, it can destroy, and it can kill us. But we have the authority and power of Jesus to tell it to leave and be removed from us, to be cast far away from us. As I mentioned earlier, death and life are in the power of our tongue. Speak death over the sickness. Tell it to dry up from the roots just like what happened to the fig tree. Take away the life source of that disease. Tell it to die. And then speak life over your body that you are healthy and whole in Jesus' name. Speak the word of life. The word is health to all your flesh. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all my benefits, who heals all my diseases. Speak out, believe, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, by your stripes I'm healed. God gets the glory and praise for your healing. We don't. We always thank God. We always thank Jesus. Speak out words of thanksgiving and praise. Remember, your words are powerful. Speak out. Let your Father know how thankful and grateful you are. There is a supernatural power in God's Word that allows us to fight spiritual battles that are going on all around us. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. When we speak the word of God, we are using the weapons that he gave us for spiritual warfare that's happening all around us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The best weapon and most powerful weapon that you and I have been given for warfare is the word of God. The word cuts through the soul and spirit, dividing the thoughts and intents of what we put into our hearts. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and it's peace. The things of the flesh profit us nothing, but the Spirit, the Spirit brings and gives life. It is so important that we speak God's word, that we confess God's word. All of God's promises are yes and amen. And we should be speaking God's word in our lives and not what we feel. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, clearly tells us about the confession of our words. That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. And when we look at verse 13, it goes on to say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Last time I shared with you, or I, I spoke with you, I shared the testimony of the eight-year-old little child who said she didn't think God wanted her. That eight-year-old little girl is our granddaughter. I'm sharing this again because I think it's really important on how words affect us. Because when she told me that she didn't think God wanted her, it obviously was because of things that were said to her about God. She had no understanding of who he was, no understanding of who Jesus is. And when I asked her why she thought 
God didn't want her, she said, because of the things I've said about God. It's all about words that were exchanged with her, of key people in her lives speaking it into her. And it was beginning to take root in her heart and in her mind. She was thinking God didn't want her. That just, for me, was really hard to understand at that time. And yet my heart is really aching for what I'm hearing. Yet my spirit is saying, i got to speak into her life. And that's what I began to do. She came right out and said, why should I believe in Jesus? So I started speaking to her about the goodness of our Father, about who he is, how much he loved her, that there was nothing she could do that would make God love her any more or any less than he loves her right this very moment. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about heaven. That was probably the most precious conversation I've ever had, is sharing a child's insight on what heaven. She wanted to know if God would allow her to have a mansion by the sea so she could watch the dolphins, or if she could have a mansion near mine so that we could play Crazy Eights through the window, if our windows could connect so we could play Crazy Eights together. And I think the most touching part of the conversation about heaven was when she said, how am I going to find you? How am I going to know you're there, Grandma? And I said, don't worry. (laughs) I am going to find you. You don't have to worry about finding Grandma. I didn't want to leave her with confusion of what heaven was going to be like. She commented on all the joy that she was seeing in me. And I told her, I said, the joy that you see is Jesus. And I'll never forget that night. The Lord took me to scriptures to show her in my Bible that it wasn't my words I was speaking to her. This was how God saw her. This is how our Father in heaven was seeing her, that he loves her, that he holds her in the palm of his hands, that she's forgiven, that she is never alone. And that night was the most precious night because I remember her cuddling up into my lap, which she still likes to do, and she's 11 now. But she cuddled up into my lap, and she put her hands in my hands, and that's when she received Jesus into her heart. I wanted to freeze time. (laughs) I didn't want to move from that moment. I could feel the love of our Father around us. I could feel joy like I've never felt it before. And it was like heaven was just shining down on us. I can't find the words to explain it. But I'll never forget it. Jesus, who is the Word, changed her life. She made the most important decision she made of her life with her very own words when she said, Jesus, come into my heart. Our salvation is with confession of our very own words. And it shouldn't stop there. It should be continual. Give voice to God's written word to his promises that he's given us, and do it regularly. Seek out verses for what you're going through in your life right now. Memorize them. Put them in your pocket, on the dashboard, on the mirror. Whatever's going to help you, get it into your heart. If sickness is trying to come upon you, just speak to it. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Confess that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings, that whatever you put your hands to, you're prospering. Confess and speak out the positive words of God regardless of what your eyes see or you might be feeling. A while ago, actually not that long ago, there was a conversation that I had with someone and they actually approached me, they attacked me. It was um, cruel, it was hurtful, it was mean, 
They were filled with anger, envy, jealousy. And it left me in not such a good place. This was in the evening, and it proceeded into the morning. And a few hours after it had stopped, my mother gave me a box, and it was actually my Christmas present that had come in the mail. It was back-ordered and late, and so she had given it to me. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I call those godcidences. I think that was exactly the perfect time that this gift was coming. And I opened it, and it's this mug. And I was going to bring it, but it's actually in Haiti with me. So, but it says, many women have done it excellently, but you surpass them all. And then it says, you are an amazing woman. And I looked at my mom, and I said, I don't feel very amazing. And the moment those words came out of my mouth, my heavenly father whispered to me, my word is not a feeling or an emotion. It is truth and it is life. And my mother said, she came over by me, she hugged me, and she said, but you are an amazing woman. See, it's not about what people say to us or around us or about us. It's the truth of God's word of who we are, who he speaks us into being. Not what the world says, not what the world wants. Many will say seeing is believing, yet they believe in the power of disease before they see its effects. According to the word of God, believing is seeing. If someone says to you, I will never believe it until I see it, tell them you'll never see it until you believe it. When you believe it, God delights in letting you see it because faith is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. We all have something that we're believing our Father for. We're all believing and confessing our Father for different things. What are you believing God for? What have you declared or spoken and are thanking our Father for? Before Jeff and I moved to Haiti, we were praying for a vehicle for the ministry. Now, we were not living there, but we were praying for a vehicle that would take us into the rugged parts of Haiti and into the city parts of Haiti. We prayed for it, and then our prayers after that were prayers of thanksgiving, giving our Father thanks and praise for the vehicle that he was providing for us in Haiti. Two months after we moved there, this vehicle, this is outside of one of the conferences that we did in Cotu. And then the next slide also shows, this is Jeff and Pastor Prince, and they're actually, we went to the sea and picked up 200 blocks, I believe it was, cement blocks to help continue building Pastor Prince's house. So the vehicle has taken us everywhere and has functioned with hauling cement and sand and wood and plumbing supplies and, as all Haitian trucks normally do, hauling people as well. <laughs> but what happened with this believing our father was that when we moved there, two months after being there, our father provided this vehicle for us. And it is the vehicle that Jeff actually had in mind when he was praying for a vehicle for the ministry. And when we left and moved to Haiti, we had three people that were committed to us monthly. We had money in the savings account, and we had two couples that spoke into our lives, and they said, step out in faith. I believe the Father is going to bless you as you step out and do what he's called you to do. People are going to give. Their hearts are going to be touched, and they're going to give when they see what you're doing in Haiti. And that's what we did. 
and we have over tripled in the last two and a half, three years with people coming alongside Heart of the Father Ministry. And the next slide is just a picture of the countryside because, you know, we couldn't be in Haiti doing what we're doing in Haiti without the support and the dedication of people here without God touching the hearts of other people to sow into heart of the Father ministry. That's probably the biggest prayer that I have had, is that God would touch people's hearts to be a part of what God called us to do. Because it's not about Jeff and I. It's about what God put in our hearts to help the people in Haiti. And that's what's happening. And our prayers, our prayers of belief, we're praying and believing and thanking our Father for the hearts he's touching to keep us in Haiti to do what he's doing. And sometimes we don't see a result right away, but it goes back to that seed, that time, and that harvest. The moment we say that we can't do something, we've just defeated ourselves. And if that thought tries to come into your mind, I encourage you to conquer it with the weapon of warfare that your father has given you. Say, declare, confess, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The moment we give in to lying symptoms of a sickness, if we start saying, I feel sick, I'm getting a cold, everyone else has the flu, I'm going to get it too. Do you realize we've just planted seeds of sickness into our mind and into our heart? We have to renew our minds with the word of God. Speak out against the pain. We have the power in us. Remember Luke 10, 19. We have power over all the power of the enemy. Don't accept the symptoms of a sickness. Remember, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith speaks, it confesses, it believes, it takes hold of what you can't see. I'm not saying that we should lie about a symptom. Don't lie about a symptom. But you know what? We don't have to take ownership of it either. It doesn't have to be ours. Matter of fact, it isn't ours. It's the enemy's. So let him keep it. When I feel a symptom of a cold trying to attack my body, I break it off. And I will just say, I break off all negative words spoken over me, about me, around me, in the name of Jesus. And then I just say, thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, I am healed. If there's a pain I had in my body, my arm or my knee, I pray over it, I tell the pain to go, and then I start moving my knee. Because you know what? It's putting my faith into action. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. You remember that at Christmas, right, Janet, when we prayed for your knees. And you put your faith into action, and that pain is gone. Brothers and sisters, God has filled us. He has filled the Bible with endless promises about health. And he desires that each and every one of us walk in divine health and wholeness. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is Jesus in us than any force that surrounds us. And God desires above all else that we prosper and are in health even as our soul prospers. Meditate on God's word and let the seeds of his word take root in your heart. His word builds up and edifies and encourages us. His word instructs us and strengthens us. His word gives us life, is nourishing and quenching us. God's word heals. It satisfies. His word equips us, is alive and powerful. The word for me is my strength. It is my direction in life. It guides me, protects me, it encourages me. God's name is his very nature. 
Jehovah Rapha, my Lord who heals me. And he's living on the inside of each and every one of you. We overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Listen to what Jeremiah said in chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words to me were the joy of my rejoicing of my heart. The Bible is a banquet table waiting for you to partake of a feast that will sustain you for a lifetime. It's not just about the words that we speak, but it's also about his word that we're putting into our hearts. Every word of God is pure. Your word has given me life. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to your bones. Hmm. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. So who do you want to glorify? Do you want to glorify Satan with words of sickness, disease, anger, bitterness, defeat, envy, discouragement? Or do you want to glorify your father with words of edification that build people up, of life and love, wholeness, joy, peace? Because you know what? The choice is in your words. I'm just going to pray quickly over you from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.